We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 185. We will have a Game 5, Scott, on Wednesday night. Thank God, because I would have felt cheated as hell had the Yankees lost it in Game 4. They played well tonight. They took advantage of some Cleveland mistakes. But just, they're getting it to Game 5, and and at least I'm not feeling cheated at this point. All the pressure. Every single bit, an ounce of pressure is on Cleveland right now. The Yankees are playing loose. They're playing... Hot, they're playing comfortable, they're playing confident. I love it. I love what's what the way has set up with CC going. It's the guy I want, honestly. That's the guy I want in Cleveland where it all started for him. How crazy it's is beautiful. That? It's beautiful. How crazy is that? At the start of 2017, you would be saying the guy I want on the mound in game five of a playoff do or die series is CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia has the largest testicles on this team. There's no doubt about it. He's mm, got Sevi the was biggest. Some big ones tonight. Severino is not in the running at all after what happened in the wild card game. He had complete redemption tonight. But I'm talking about large, huge nuts. And Old man, CC Sabathia. Nuts. Absolutely. The dude feels no pain. That's him. He's going about- to Cleveland where it all started, and he's going to uh, relish the situation. This is what he lives for. I thought Gary Sanchez had giant nuts. 
Whatever. Fit you keep, you stop bringing it back to the nuts. <laughs> Sabathia is going to bring his big nuts out. He's got marbles. The, the you have no marbles chant in Cleveland means nothing to CeCe. It's going to be a beautiful game. All the pressure, again, is on Corey Kluber. Let's see if he can actually deliver because the last time was a goose. Let's see if he can do it again. I, I'm confident. I like it. I like what's happening. Yeah, we'll get into the Game 5 breakdown, but as far as pressure goes, you know uh, you know, Sabathia does not feel that kind of pressure. He relishes that. He's going to have a huge smile on his face. He's going to be roaring like he was in Game 2. Hopefully, he's got his stuff going again. He worked out some kinks early in that game. He hadn't pitched in about a week, so he's going to be on normal day's rest, both him and Kluber on normal day's rest. I expect Kluber to be a lot better than he was in Game 2 because... Can't expect Kluber to suck again. That's just unrealistic. So it's it's going to be a do-over from game two, but probably a pitcher's duel if things go the way I think they're going to go. Yeah, I, you know, I think also that the Yankees have, uh, they've, for seeing Kluber a second time obviously is helpful. Um, the first time they hit him well. The other thing that's going to be good for this, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but my thoughts will go in and out of my head so fast, especially after tonight. I need to get them out into the microphone. The uh, The fact that they've seen Bauer twice and they've seen Carrasco and Kluber, all of these guys are junk ball pitchers. These guys all locate and have very good off-speed stuff. So they're throwing a lot of very similar type pitchers at us through this entire series. So it's not like the Yankees are going and just, and just, you know, going after a guy like Severino uh, that you mix that in the middle of uh, the middle of these guys. They're all very similar style pitchers. I like that. The Yankees are, are building a, a confidence level. I think with, you know, hitting the off speed pitch or laying off the off speed, off speed pitch and sitting on the balls that they want. So I really like what's happening. As I said at the start, the Yankees took advantage of sloppy play by Cleveland. Six unearned runs for Cleveland. Very uncharacteristic. Four errors. The Yankees took advantage of it. Hell, they could have had 10 runs in that game if they had just scratched a few more base runners in the third and fourth innings. But they knocked Trevor Bauer out early in that game. Bauer was talking about how he loves three days rest. It doesn't affect him. Bullshit. It affects every starting pitcher. It, it like we said last night on the podcast and like we've said on a number of different podcasts, hell, we're doing podcasts every damn day at this point. I'm just mixed up on what's going on and what I'm saying when I'm saying it. But Severino looking for vengeance versus Trevor Bauer on short day's rest was a great matchup for the Yankees. And that's what we saw. Yeah, I mean, I think last night when we were recording, we actually thought it was still Tomlin that was going to be going today because I don't know. We recorded right after the, the uh, right after the game yesterday, and I, I thought the, at the end of it they had said Tomlin. Anyway, we've been freaking delirious, like you've said, by doing these shows every single day, very late night. Um, but yeah, you know, this is uh, this was this was Severino's big opportunity to get his redemption, and that's exactly what he did. You know, I, I think getting that first inning under his belt, coming out going one, two, three, a clean first inning was so massive for for his confidence and really just to kind of dictate how the, the day was going to go. Because you knew if he got out of that first inning, got that elephant off of his shoulder, got all that crap gone, that he was going to settle into this game and pitch well. It was a great step forward for Severino. And I wouldn't even say this was the best Severino we've seen. This was like B-plus Severino. He had moments in that game where he lost it. He lost command a little bit. He left some fastballs up and some sliders up. And the Indians hitters took him deep twice. But he still was grinding it out. The sixth and seventh innings were awesome. 
I loved, absolutely loved, loved, loved that Joe Girardi let him go back out there and grind through that seventh inning, throwing 100 mile an hour darts to finish off the game. Final line, seven innings, three runs, four hits, nine strikeouts. But the fact that he ended on such a high note, he was fired up. Angry Severino is now my new favorite Severino. Yeah, he was really good. Even in that last inning when he was missing and the and the um, like Kipnis laid off a couple of really really tough pitches. I thought even the balls that he was throwing uh, that weren't called strikes were actually very very good pitches that he was executing really well in the seventh inning. You could tell he was overthrowing the fastball a little bit, but he came back and threw some of the off speed and and was locating it really nicely. So I, I thought all around it was a really good performance. I mean B plus. I think he was better than B plus. I mean that's a high leverage situation against probably the best team in baseball. Um, and yeah, you let up a couple home runs, but you know what? They didn't they didn't hurt you in the situation. So I thought it was I thought he was very good, and I thought he made adjustments when he needed to make adjustments. Adjustments, and he, you know, he pitched to the uh, to this team, and I thought he did a phenomenal job, especially coming back from what he did in the wild card game. So a lot of pressure That's, was on him. Yeah, exactly. That's why it was such an important game for him because I would have been really upset if he had to sit on an entire off season and an entire season of baseball just waiting for another playoff start to come around. It would have been a thing, and now it's no longer a thing. We know Severino can pitch in October. You don't want the whole he's not a big game pitcher, the whole David Price shit that he has to deal with. And look how he has not been able to handle that. Yeah, he may be able to come out in the bullpen and pitch well for the Red Sox, but he can't start a game. Wasn't able to start a game with the Blue Jays or the Tigers or when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays. He always sucked in the playoffs, and I did not want to have to be a thing with Severino. Oh, and by the way, the Red Sox are out of the playoffs. Gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Guess it didn't work out so well winning the winning winning the AL East didn't didn't work out so well. <laughs> Not that uh, we would have been happy with this, but no matter what had happened tonight, the Yankees would have won one more game than the Red Sox in the playoffs. Yeah. If you do consider that wild card game a playoff game, they ran into a very 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 hot Houston Astros team who looks like they're peaking at the right time. That's a tough team right now. That's another um, that's another team to worry about for another another day. day. But yes, the uh, the the boys came out. And just just played their asses off today, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. The stadium was on freaking fire again. I mean, I mean, the, you got to give it up for every single. It seems like every single inning, every single game in the playoffs so far this year, Yankee Stadium has come and and just been alive. And the players are talking about it. Girardi's talking about it. Everybody's talking about Yankee Stadium and how how just explosive it is right now. So that's such a such a good sign. I was a little annoyed by don't, the... Don't bring me down. I'm not bringing you don't down. Don't bring I'm me just down. Saying, the, the Jay Bruce sucks chant were funny in the first inning. On TV, it sounded like a Yankee suck chant. And I was like, damn, are there really that many Indians fans there? But it was a Jay Bruce sucks chant. And I'm just thinking it was going on a little bit too long in the game. Can we talk? Can we just chant for the Yankees at that point? They're winning 7-3. to three. Enough with the Jay Bruce sucks stuff. He's been murder on you this series. Let it go. Yeah, guess what? They got it in his head. He struck out a whole bunch of times and did absolutely jack shit today. So if it worked today, I say keep doing it. It worked, obviously. It was in his head. Why yeah, not? That's why he struck out. Yeah, had maybe it was. Severino. Had nothing to do with Severino throwing 100 mile an hour darts. No, maybe black. Severino was getting jacked up like, yeah, this dude has killed us. He does suck. Let me let me prove that he sucks. I like it. I, I like that they get on people. It's like uh, uh, whenever they do that in hockey games, college hockey games, they just destroy the, the opposing goaltenders. I yeah, think it's great. Their, I think it's great. Opposing 
goaltender's mother's name or something. Yeah, very yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. I love that shit. I, I could care less. <laughs> I love it when a, an opponent comes in to your house and he just gets riled. He, he just gets just completely destroyed and heckled the entire game. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest innings I thought for Severino was the quick shutdown inning in the third after the Yankees got four runs for him. I thought that was huge. Yeah, I mean, I think at every point when when he came back and just uh, when there was a momentum, when there was momentum happening in the game and the flow of the game was going towards the, the direction of the Yankees, Severino didn't ever have a hiccup. It seems like it was never a momentum swinging hiccup. You could feel it in the in the first little bit that when the Yankees bats kind of went quiet. Seemed like things were, were were starting to swing a little bit. Um, Cleveland scored a couple of runs, but then they came right back out. And 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 the given times when Severino needed to shut down um, an inning or a guy, he did. And I mean, just everything about what he did tonight was was phenomenal. Playoff baseball, it's late, so you, you feeling a little bit tired? I'm not right this very second, but I will be crashing and burning as soon as I get off. And yes, I was a little tired towards the end of it. Yeah, everyone's a little bit tired in October baseball. That's why you're going to need a sleep number bed. And uh, to be honest, they are the best bed to sleep on. You, um, you start your day off right with a sleep number bed. You can, it's affordable, and you deserve better than just an, a mediocre night's sleep. The sleep number bed lets you choose your ideal comfort and support on each side. It's the perfect bed for couples as well. The newest beds are so smart, they actually sense your every move and automatically adjust so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. That is sounding like an advanced bed that might start reading your thoughts or something. They even have an adjustment for snoring. So if you snore, that's, uh, that's good because the, the bed will, will prevent you from snoring, apparently. Sleep number beds cost about the same as traditional mattresses, last twice as long, and 91% of other of owners recommend it. Best of all, right now, Queen mattresses start at only $699.99, which is an awesome price. You'll only find Sleep Number beds at any of their 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. So if you go into one of those stores, find them on sleepnumber.com, and you can mention that Bronx Pinstripes sent you. Okay. So the offense was not asleep tonight, though. Todd Frazier got no. scoring off with a two RBI single, and that was huge because Bauer, they never let Bauer settle in. He, his curveball was not as sharp as it was in game one. His fastball wasn't locating. He was not getting that call that was that running back two-seamer that he was getting in game one. He started so, to get it in the second inning. He wasn't getting into the first, started, getting, started to get it in the second, but then they started hitting the shit out of him, so it didn't matter. Yeah, and, and I know that that first error um, by Castro when he smoked that ball to third base was yeah. an error, but I'm counting that as a base hit because he hit the shit out of that ball. And they took it from there. Frazier with the RBI, he's having a good series. That put him at four for 12 at the time. Hicks, two out RBI single, and then Judge got the monkey off his back. Two RBI single makes it four nothing. Two RBI double, excuse me. Uh, the stadium erupted. And yeah, Judge had struck out nine times in 11 at-bats coming into that. And then he struck out three or four, four more four. times after that. Um but it was huge for him to get that hit. He showed emotion again, got on second base, smiling ear to ear, doing the thumbs down again back into the dugout. So it was just an awesome sequence. It was an awesome sequence. And, and talking about judges' strikeouts, look, we talked about this before. I mean, he was due for this big hit, and I'm really glad he got it because I feel like those, those types of situations can really make you loose for the next time up. You're not pressing as much saying, oh, I got to get this hit. 
um, in a situation that you haven't gotten one. Well, he's gotten one now, so I, I feel like he can go in a little bit more loose in the next at-bat in a big situation. But the other thing is, is he's had four walks before this game, too. He's been getting on base. Even when Judge was struggling terribly during the middle of the season, he was still getting on base by walks. His on-base percentage was still up there. So the guy, even when he struggles and doesn't make a lot of contact and you see the batting average start slipping down, you, st- you still see the batting or the on-base percentage up because the walks are there. That being said, those strikeouts, two of them, tonight, of the four, were trash. Trash strikeouts that should never have been strikeouts. Both of them should have been walks. So I don't want him swinging at the pitches that he got called striked, uh, struck out on. They were not strikes. Uh, and and honestly, like those are just those are balls that he's supposed to lay off of because that's where he's good when he's laying off those pitches that are out of the strike zone. Borderline, but out of the strike zone. Those are not the ones he needs to swing. So I, I'm fine with him not swinging uh, at those pitches and striking out looking. You're absolutely right that the strike zone was trash for him. Uh, but I thought he had one. He struck out four times, and I thought one of them that w- was bad and that I was actually pissed off at. It was He came up after the double, had bases loaded, there were two outs, and it was a 3-2 pitch on him. And he's taking a ball that's, that's at the knees, low in the zone. Yeah, it could have been a ball. It could have been a strike. But I just don't like him taking in that situation. He needs to be in swing mode there. It's a 5 nothing game at that point. The Indians are not going to... They're not going to pitch around they're not gonna throw him a slider in that situation they're gonna attack him they can't they can't just walk in another run so yeah even though it's Aaron Judge even though he could hit a grand slam they were still in attack mode in that situation and Judge was in passive mode and I didn't like that at that point he's not in passive mode see that you weren't you just talking about this and how if he's swinging at these balls at the bottom of the strike zone like that he's not gonna do a damn thing with him anyway like you've got to be a disciplined hitter and have the disciplined eye at, at any situation I mean a huge bases loaded walk is just as big as a hit. And if, if he's identifying that ball as a ball, then, you know, look at it. If, if that's, if that's what you're seeing, I mean, the guy's got a good eye when he's, when he's on and he's disciplined and he's going the other way, he's, he's, he's proved that he has a good eye. Um, so I got no problem with him taking that ball. I, I don't want him, you know, going out of his comfort zone and going out of what he's normally doing and chasing balls that he shouldn't be swinging at. I, I just don't want that because to me that can lead to bigger problems. His double did knock Bauer out of the game, though, which was which was huge at the time. Um, he Girardi kind of shuffled around the lineup, got Burr, excuse me, put Didi in between Judge and Sanchez, which I really liked, breaking up the two righties, um, and then that also allowed him to move Bird up in the order to the number five hole. Bird has been on fire all series, had the huge home run in Game Three, so I liked the lineup changes that Girardi made at the top of the order. Yeah, and, and they weren't huge drastic changes, but they kind of went to the way that Girardi really likes to have the lineup in the first place is to is to have the you know alternating righty lefties. It also Didi had been struggling a little bit, so it gave him some protection by sandwiching in between Judge and, and Sanchez. Three times and he walked tonight? three times, which is ironic because you'd think that they'd yeah. go after him, but um, Sanchez was the guy that they they really were going after, and they had success until Sanchez um, until he went to uh, right field with that home run. But yeah, I mean. That's I like the move. I, I like doing that with a struggling guy, and and Girardi's done that a few times during the season um, with Sanchez and Judge as well. Just kind of mixing those two guys around to 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 add some protection uh, before and after the batter to help them get more strikes. I mean that's that's kind of the concept of it. So I like it, and the fact that they have so many good hitters on this team is you can really do that, which also you know puts puts long theoretically can put long slumps uh, really really try to cut them down um, because you can do that type of thing. So I like the move. It, it, obviously, it worked. It, it scored a lot of runs. Left a lot of guys on base today, but scored a lot of runs. 
I would roll with the same top of the order for game five against Kluber. Um, the only thing I would do differently is you, you, I think you have to think about putting Matt Holiday at the DH pot because Ellsbury and, and Headley have looked terrible. Neither of them have hits. They've each started two games in this series. I know Holiday's been off. He has not even had a pinch hitting appearance in the playoffs and throwing him up there in game five against Kluber might be a colossal mistake. He might be completely overmatched, but I have no confidence in either Ellsbury or Headley right now at DH. I mean, I don't really care if it, uh, to me, one of, I don't, Ellsbury sits hundred percent. It's between Headley and Holiday. If I don't, you know, maybe Holiday's not playing for a reason, but he's on the roster. So, I mean, obviously they think he's healthy enough to get in there and play. So, um, I don't know what his numbers are against Kluber. Uh, I still would go Headley. I still think Headley gives you the best option at that place. At that time, even though he has struggled, uh, I still think you can get uh, good at-bats out of him. Um, but Holiday, I'm not really... I wouldn't be too concerned about him not playing. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously taking swings in the cage and things like that. But the guy is a vet in a big moment. I mean, you rely on on, on what you've done. And it's not a big moment. It's not too big of a moment for him. I mean, the guy's played in the World Series before. So... I'm fine with uh, with with either one of those guys. I don't know what their numbers are in front of me. I don't have them in front of me, um, but I assume Girardi will go with the guy that has the better numbers. The other thing is that Headley we know is an attractive option off the bench. Joe likes that, and in a game five situation where you're going to be doing probably a lot more moves, making switches, that might be uh, something that he's going to look at having um, uh, having Headley come off the bench. So he has options with Frazier and at first base if a pinch running situation were to come up. Well, Ellsbury started against Kluber in game two. Yeah, how, how did he do? <laughs> no hits. Yeah, he's surprised, surprised. Just, you know, he needs to be a pitch runner. I mean, honestly, that's literally his best value right now. I'm, it's, um, it's a true story. That's his best value. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's an expensive pinch runner, but he's fast. So there we go. Uh, the Yankees were aggressive in this game once they had the lead, which was good. Gardner sack fly, which was too shallow, shallow center field. I mean, Kipnis has no arm. He's got a Johnny Damon, Bernie Williams type type arm. The Yankees took advantage of it. They ran on his arm. I thought that was a great send by by Thompson, the third base coach Espada. in that situation. What? A, yeah, Espada. Thompson's the the what the? It used to be. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going crazy. Um, it, uh, I thought it was a great send because when you have the lead, you push the envelope there. If it's a tie game or if you're down a run, you probably don't send him there. But with the lead, awesome send. Yeah, and I don't know if Kipnis is... I mean, obviously, he's not a, a natural center fielder to the extent that he's been playing second base his entire professional career. Um, but the way that he approached that ball as well, I mean, he was not ready to throw home. He kind of parked underneath it and then loaded up to throw. It was, he was His body and momentum were not behind the ball, so he had nothing going through that ball, nothing nothing going through the throw, and obviously he doesn't have a, a great arm, so I thought it was a good set, too. They definitely caught him off guard. What the hell was going on with Batanzas when he came in that game? Everything was going to plan. Severino, the, the, the seven strong innings, figured, okay, let's get Batanzas the eighth inning. He's looked good his first two appearances in this series. Dude couldn't even throw it to Gary Sanchez. He was throwing it back to the backstop. Yeah, I, I legitimately thought he was going to kill somebody at that point. The, um, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's bad. That's real bad. First of all, that's it for him, right? I mean, you're done, dude. He's the last one out of the bullpen on, 100%. on Wednesday. You can't trust him ever now. <laughs> it's like that was you were just went twice. You did well. There was a, the reason I liked bringing him in in the eighth. I, I agreed with uh, Girardi on that actually because of the four run lead. He had been good twice. Why not show some confidence in him? Because if you can get him going, 
right, then then that's another you know significant weapon. Um, but man, you just he's just he's just a basket case. I don't know what his problem is. I don't. It's I mean the situation. There's nothing. There's nothing about that situation that that leads you to believe that there's too much of a pressure situation or what. I mean, you're at home with a four run lead. The momentum's on your side. You've had two good outings. Just go throw some fucking strikes. Just go throw some strikes. He can't. From, he can't do it. It's pitch one. You know, on pitch one, if Patances is good or bad, it's extremely. Uh, it's extremely scary, and and it's a helpless feeling sitting here on your couch watching Dell and Patances throw that ball back to the backstop when it's nowhere close to the strike zone. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on with him. He is destroying any value he has to the Yankees in a trade at this point, because any team that's going to want to trade for him will say, well, he was terrible. You didn't even use him in key spots in the postseason. You have all these other big weapons in the bullpen. You can basically afford to lose him. So here's 50 cents on the dollar for Dylan Batances, where he was your most valuable reliever prior to this season. So it's really, it's really terrible, and so it's another discussion for later down the road in the in the off season. But as, like you said, as far as Game Five on Wednesday night, n- no thanks, Dylan Batances. You might as well just stay in New York, not even pack your bags. Yeah, he's not getting in the game unless he's the last guy out there, and they absolutely need him. But um, uh, yeah, it's between the ears. There's no doubt about it. There's there's just something going on with this dude where he where he just you know he he can't he can't mentally commit to to an outing on an on a consistent on a consistent basis. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's preparation. I don't know if it's he just gets his own head. If he just starts it's like you know when you're running and you start thinking about your mechanic you like thinking about your strides, like you'll never go very far ever. Because you're screwed by thinking about that stuff. It's like he thinks about everything he's doing the entire time he's out there. And and you know the old the old cliche when you're in Little League Come on, Johnny, don't just throw the ball. Don't aim it. Don't aim it. I mean, it's literally like he's aiming the ball, like he's freaking seven years old and someone's yelling at him, like Larry Rothschild yelling, don't aim the ball. It's pathetic. It's really, it's weird. Well, I thought it was my righty-lefty theory because he yeah. started off and he, and he walked to the first batter. It was a right-handed batter. And then he comes in and does the same thing to Lindor, almost hits him. So there goes my theory. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's been, he's erratic everywhere. It doesn't matter who the hell's up. There could Are be nobody s- up there. I don't know what what's he doing in warm up pitches. I haven't seen, but they don't have a, the the camera on. But I wouldn't be surprised if a few of them hit the backstop. <laughs> Do um. Are you said that uh, it's a hundred percent between the ears? Are you positive? Positive? It's nothing physical. Yeah. No, it's nothing physical. He's he's a mental case. There's nothing well, physical. What's wrong? What would be wrong with him? Nothing's wrong I with him. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to spitball because there's nothing wrong with him. If, if he was if he was injured, bad. he wouldn't be playing. He wouldn't even be on the roster if he was injured. He's 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 a freaking psychopath. I don't know what his deal is. I don't know how you I don't know how you dominate that bat like that dramatically. You come out and you're you're just as filthy as you are. Uh, and all you have to do, literally, like the key to his success, is literally just throwing a ball over the plate. I mean, that's it. You have two pitches. Throw right. throw the one that goes straight over the plate. <laughs> I mean, it's how it's difficult such a luxury. is that. Yeah, it's such a luxury for him and guys who could throw that fast with that kind of movement on his on his breaking pitches. It's just throw it, throw it something that looks like a strike and you're going to get swings and misses. Yeah, it's annoying. It's like seeing a seven footer that can't shoot. I mean, come on. All you got to do your entire life, just shoot the ball. That's it. Right. Just just the figure guys, it out. The guys that grind out and have to learn how to uh, locate like the 
like the, the uh, Greg the Maddox Greg, of the world. Yeah, yeah, the Greg Maddox of the world who need to spot 87 miles an hour on the corner or else they're screwed. Just look at Batance and say, man, what I would do with your stuff. Yeah, well, you guys are working their asses off to get to these points. And you're just, you know, God-given ability. You're a monster of 6'8". You could throw the ball. You can you, you throw 100 miles an hour. And you don't even have to try for this curveball. This curveball feels like a natural pitch to you. But you can't throw the ball straight. It's crazy town. I don't get it. Batances almost ruined the night. Tommy Canley deserves a lot of credit for coming in. Not only did he clean up Batances' mess, but he also saved Chapman. Chapman was was going to be available tonight. I think the only person in the bullpen not available was Robertson. Before the game, Girardi said he would like to avoid using Robertson. So basically that means unless we're in a situation in the 18th inning and we need a guy coming out, it's going to be Robertson. But so... Chapman was available even though he threw two innings the previous night um, and two innings in game two. But Canely, him dominating, allowed them to save Chapman, and that's going to be very, very underrated as we go ahead to game five. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and Canely looked really, really good. It's like he, uh, I don't know, he had a, a bit of a rough patch in the middle or towards the end of the season. September, September. Yeah, September wasn't great for him. And before that, obviously we know what he was when he was with the White Sox. The guy was one of the one of the more dominant, under underappreciated relievers in the league. I mean, he had some ridiculous walk, uh, strikeout to walk ratio. And he it seemed like he had kind of lost it. But now, honestly, like the guy looks totally he's throwing high nineties. Um just just painting the black, looking really, really good, really confident, pumped up. Like that's a guy that you, you kind of look like. You see the way he goes out there. You, you see his demeanor coming in with two runners on, no outs, and, and gets out of it with no issues and then come in, comes back at, and throws in the ninth. I love it. I love it a lot. I think, I think the dude pitched phenomenally. So we have, let's start to uh, look ahead to game five. CC versus Kluber. CC probably going for the same sort of thing in in the first game that he pitched, get us into the fifth, get us into the sixth inning. Hopefully the bullpen doesn't puke all over itself and Girardi doesn't make a boneheaded non-challenge play. But then you you have Green, who's fully rested. You have Robertson, who will be fully rested, and Chapman, who will be fully rested. Warren as well, who I thought maybe they would use Warren in the ninth inning today, didn't need him. Canely will still be available, but he did pitch tonight, so maybe he's just available for a couple batters or, or an inning. But you have most of your bullpen fully rested. And same thing on the Cleveland side. Even though Allen pitched tonight, Andrew Miller did not pitch. Yeah, Andrew Miller didn't pitch. Allen pitched. And it seemed like, from what they were saying, he was just trying to get some work in. I, I don't like that move On if I'm a Cleveland Indians fan. if I'm, I, I don't really – I mean, I get you need to get some work, but – Man, I, I don't like uh, I don't like showing these guys anything that you're doing. Whether it's maybe you're not throwing the pitches that you normally would throw to them at, at that at that given situation, but still, they're able to pick you up. They're able to time you. They're able to do things that that they wouldn't be able to do if they didn't see you again another time. So whatever. But uh, I'm glad he did. Your getting your pitcher work if he needs work is more important than than trying to hide something from the opponent. Uh, maybe I, I don't know. I feel like you could still get work in, on the side. You could still throw. At that point, in this at this point in the season, there you shouldn't have to throw him out there just to get some work in a playoff game. I mean, to me, that's ludicrous. I mean, you, you can get work on the side. Dude doesn't need to to come into the game for that. Um, I thought it was, 
I don't know. Maybe, I hope it'll bite him in the ass. I really do. But um, I, I like that they were able to at least get some more eyes on his pitches. I mean, and release point, anything, little things you can pick up from uh, from running him out there. I thought it was uh, too high of a leverage situation to to do that, but I'm glad he did. So and, that's that's good. No, and you're right. But they have uh, Miller is uh, is ready to go, and obviously they're trying to get length from uh, from Corey Kluber. But let's talk about Miller because he. He has not looked like Andrew Miller in this series. I thought he p- looked bad in the first game. Um, and then the second game, he didn't pitch a lot. But he, I think, he, what did he get? Greg Bird in the second game? to stri- Or Greg Bird was in the first game. Greg Bird hit a, a bomb off of him in the second game. Or in game no, three. In the third game. But he got str- he struck out Bird, I think, in game one. But they, the Yankees made him work. He comes back, pitches game two. Still doesn't look great. Game three, Bird takes him to the moon. So I haven't... Although I think the Indians still have a lot of confidence in Andrew Miller, he's not the automatic Andrew Miller machine that he was the entire postseason last year. Yeah, and what was the injury that he had? It was a knee injury, I think he had this season. It was late in the season. It was a. Uh, I'm looking he at had, it now. Well, he was on the DL two separate times, but I believe the most recent one, yeah, was a knee. Yeah, so it was. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. It was a uh, patellar tendonitis in his right knee. Uh, and that was on Miller return from the bullpen. He came back, what, September 14th? So he, yeah, look, because he missed most of their big winning streak. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's been on the shelf a little bit. So, I mean, that is a guy that I will absolutely question to see if he's 100% healthy. He probably isn't. You're on the shelf for that long with something like that. Um, you know, chances are that there's something lingering at this point, and they just needed to get him back. So that could be a thing. I mean, there's. it's very clear that something's going on, that he's not... He doesn't have the same bite on the ball that he normally does. It's like that the action on that slider is not the same as it normally is. It's not this big sweeping um, breaking ball that's just devastating. So um, this is all good stuff. You know what I mean? Like these are all good things. Well, the bottom line Andrew is Andrew Miller come in is not still good stuff for the Yankees. No, 100 percent. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's not worst case scenario like it was last year. Exactly. It, it's a it's a minor small win before he even gets out there is what I'm saying. Uh, but but again, they have seen him quite a bit this series. Uh, so nothing is going to be a shock going into game five. It's pretty much everybody has seen everybody at this point. And the Yankees have seen what the um, the Indians are going to throw at them. And, you know, if we're looking at the two offenses with Edwin Encarnacion not playing and there's no indication that he's going to be playing game five. They haven't ruled him out, but there's no indication that he's coming back. We haven't seen him at all since that injury. Uh, that's a huge bat missing out of the Cleveland uh, Indians lineup. And the Yankees right now have a, a, a better offensive team. So um, I, I think in that particular case, it's you know an advantage for the Yankees. But you're, you never know. Corey Kluber could come out and be Cy Young Corey Kluber and just dominate. So that's an X. He's obviously the X factor. Because Sabathia's a lefty, I think they're going to do everything they can to get Encarnacion on the field. All of the cortisone in Cleveland is going to be injected into that guy's <laughs> ankle. Fine. You know, hobble out there. He's not going to be able to feel from his knee down. As long as he doesn't pull a Kurt Gibson type situation and uh, and win a game trotting around. Right. Like he, like Kurt Gibson did in the World Series. What was that? 1988? 80, 88. Yeah. The, um, Brantley... Brantley has not looked good in Encarnacion's, Encarnacion's place. So despite the fact that Encarnacion is on one foot at this point, I still rather see Brantley in there because Edwin Encarnacion has murdered the Yankees for 10 years, it seems. Yeah, and Brantley got his first hit today, squared up a ball. Um, so 
you know, but he hasn't looked good. I mean, this, he's he's a shell of himself as well. And you gotta you gotta believe all the injuries have to play with that because he's been hurt for quite a while. I mean, he missed all of uh, the postseason last year, a majority of the season, right? Because he was injured. Yeah. And then he was yeah. injured again this year. So the guy's obviously a risk and uh, and, and probably not playing at one hundred percent either. So. I, you know the Indians are banged up right now. There's no doubt about it. They're banged they're up. They're not playing their best baseball. No, and they and their bullpen right now. Granted, they do have Andrew Miller coming back. Um, that didn't pitch tonight. Another day rest tomorrow. Um, and then uh, and then Kluber going. They have some of their bullpen, but they use a lot of the guys today too. You know, it was a big day for the Yankees not only to. Um, knock Bauer out early, but to get into that bullpen and and to just put a little bit of hurting on it, just just so that because those 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 runs, the fact that these guys got in the game today could very well come back and uh, and bite them in the ass late in the game on uh, on Wednesday, and the Yankees will be ready for it. You know what I mean? Like that. This is a team you can't make a lot of mistakes for. They're they're dangerous, one through nine. When Francona set up his pitching rotation so Kluber would pitch game two and five, I don't think any part of him thought he'd be here in a game five, do or die. No, I don't, and especially not the way that it happened. Right. C- certainly not the way it happened. Certainly not with Kluber uh, almost losing in game two, coming back and then uh, them losing both games at home uh, or in the Bronx. But look, it's set up nicely for the way that the Yankees did it. You know, as bad as everybody has destroyed Joe Girardi for that Friday night, you got to look at the series as a whole. Like, throw away that one decision. I know it's hard to do that. But if you look at the rest of it, honestly, he's done a very nice job. It seems like like that day, he was bad. He made a bad decision on that, obviously, by not challenging. He made bad decisions on, on, uh, on some of the guys going in and out. It was a bad day for him. It was a horrible, horrible day. day. A horrible day. Horrible Worst day, day for as him. Yankee manager. But, but uh, game three, he pulled all the right strings. Tonight... Mm-hmm. Pulled all the right strings. Even Batantis. Leaving Severino out there. Leaving Severino out there. Even putting Batantis and giving him the quick hook. I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't upset that he was going out there. Like, I thought that was a fine move. I, I guarantee, I, I know some people are like, why was he in the game in the first place? And and rightfully so. I, I mean, I understand it. No, um, I didn't. I didn't think that. I, no, I think some people do, though. I mean, there's a, a lot of people that have zero confidence in him. Even if even after he showed that he pitched twice, um, that, that he pitched pretty well twice. There's a lot of people that have zero confidence in them, and I, I get that. I mean, he really hasn't done enough uh, to to, sh- to prove you know that he's a confident guy for for anybody. Um, but I thought he did a good job today. I thought he did a really good job. Again, the lineup changes. There were good things going on. So, uh, you know, good bounce back from from Jordy. Pressure on the Indians, like you said, because they are expected to win the World Series, and now they're playing an elimination game versus the Yankees, who were not expected to do shit, and now they're playing their fourth elimination game of the playoffs so far. So are you just happy to be here? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the Yankees (laughs) are actually in a spot where they can... They can have a little swagger to them. Yeah. They have the Indians on their heels right now. Moment baseball playoffs are about momentum. And somehow the Yankees recovered from that game two debacle where Cleveland had all the momentum and regained it all in the Bronx. And we're going into Cleveland with momentum. Yeah, it's crazy how bad situations can turn into very good situations if you can recover. Because if you can recover from a horrible situation in one that you nobody ever thinks that you can recover from, but then all of a sudden you're digging yourself out and you're you're, you're you can actually see above the um uh, you know your head is above water slightly, 
then then you're in a position of like, damn, I can't believe I'm breathing right now. Might as well go for it. And and that's what they're doing. It seems like they're going to go into Cleveland loose. They're going to go in confident. And they've already touched up Kluber one time. Why can't they do it twice? Maybe they'll win. Shock the world, baby. Let's do it. I, I think there's. A, I think it's a great time to shock the world. Cleveland's already had the, the uh, one title in one title too many in uh, the last two years with uh, with with <laughs> with Bron Bron, who's a Yankees fan. So <laughs> let's just uh, let's just take it out of there. You know, Cleveland, you're you're good. You, you've gotten your quota for like the next fifty years. Yeah. Browns aren't going to ever do anything, so you're fine. That's this yeah. is it. Yankees fans have suffered for almost a decade. That's that's way long too enough. long. Way too long. <laughs> we are way too good to suffer for that long. It's it's terrible. Pretty much my whole twenties. That's Un- unacceptable. Unacceptable. What a what a joke. Uh, we've got some voicemails. Some what are these voicemails? After this is going to be some Greg Bird voicemails. Some Game Force extending it to Game Five voicemails. People are fired up in the Bronx, so I'm looking forward to hearing those. The Game Two voicemails were excellent. Shout out to the guy who wasn't even a Yankees fan, but apparently Joe Girardi is ruining his marriage. That was absolute gold. Yeah. Now these are uh, these are a combination of Game Three, Game Four voicemails. And um, there's a lot of them. I know that the phone has been ringing even since we have been talking. It has. Uh, I think there were four voicemails since since we, since we were recording just now. So it's going off. It's awesome. Everyone, go go stock up on some tums because you're gonna have some heartburn on on Wednesday night for Game Five. Game Any last f- words, Scott? I'm just so pumped up. I mean, the the fact that we have another do or die situation. I mean, why not? Right? Why the hell not? Dude, Let's, old it's old hat at this point. Old yeah, do or die, loser, go home. Live Yankees. for it. I live yeah. for it. This is Yankees nothing. Used to this shit now. I piss on these do or die, go home. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it. This is it's gonna be a great night. Wednesday night is gonna be a great night. Let's, it's uh, an eight let's o'clock all get pumped start. up. Oh, eight that's, o'clock start. That Wednesday sucks. Night. That's annoying. Bad news for us. <laughs> that's annoying. Especially because I have a flight early the next morning. So it's going to be fun. All right. Well, here we go. Game five. This is what it's all about. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. So it's one o'clock in the afternoon, the day after the disaster, and I have a minute to come and call and just say, Fuck you, Joe! You fucking moron! Challenge a play at the end of the inning! What the fuck? Last night was a joke. This season was awesome. Let's go Yankees. Next year we win that ring without Joe. What's up, guys? Um, I said, I've been listening to the pod, and a lot of things that happened in the game. Brian royally fucked up, you know, not challenging that. Made some pitching decisions that were a little shaky, but we, you guys probably didn't need to think about it. We did have time to talk about this Chapman Instagram thing. Chapman is the last person that should be criticizing Gerard because when he was struggling and couldn't strike out anyone, giving up home runs left and right. Girardi had his back. Well, Joe overmanaged again. Just lucky that Chapman can get that last man out. He should have left Tanaki in for at least one more batter. They robbed could have finished that inning. Instead, he had to overmanage. Thank goodness his poor management didn't cost us this game. Go Yankees. We'll be here tomorrow night. 
Mocking Irvin Ockett, stepping up, showing some balls. Starting up tonight, not allowing a run, was huge. Let's go. Separino next game. Take game five, anything can happen. Yes, 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 yes. Back in 2015 in the wildcard game, 
and Pepperino needs to make up for the wild card game this year. And both came through. Man, A5 is going to be crazy. These pitches going to be crazy that tweet. Hopefully they can pull it out. I'm so grateful for the Houston Astros. Sorry ass team in Boston. Stay Boston. Grateful for the people. Hopefully the Yankees can pull it off. And get it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.